And I, I mentioned this morning, for those who weren't here, uh, we, we support a charity called JAM, Joint Aid Management. Uh, they feed, clothe, and educate uh, just under 500,000 kids every day. It's so exciting. And uh, we've, over the last couple of years, we've sent tens and tens of thousands of pounds to them from Edinburgh and most likely getting towards 100,000 pounds from our churches. Um, last week, Andrew Owen sat down with a very wealthy Scots businessman that most of you recognize his name, if I mention it, which I'm not going to, but he, he this week agreed to give one million pounds to Jam. Isn't that brilliant? And uh, that, that will feed, clothe, and educate about 30,000 kids in Africa for an entire year. That's just brilliant. Someone doing something good with his, with his investment. It's brilliant. So exciting. Well, tonight we're going to talk about, we're going, for those who are new with us, we're, we're going through a terrific book in the Bible called the Book of Proverbs. And it's, it's one of those books, it's like, um, it's like a samosa. You know, it, like, it's, it's not a full meal. You just want to, oh, I'll have one of them. Oh, yeah. Or a pancake. You know, or, you know what? Pistachio nuts. You know the salted ones? It's like a pistachio nut. You just you get one, you unshell it. You can't just stop there. You've just got to have tons of them. Like, we, recently, we've been having pistachio nuts. And you, just, you, you know what I'm saying? The book of Proverbs is like that. You just open it up, and you just got to keep reading this. It's one gem after the other. And it's stuff that just grips your heart. It's so full of profound wisdom for your life. So I want to encourage you, you know, if you've never read the book of Proverbs open up. And it's not the sort of book you'd read from start to finish. You might dip in and uh, take a couple of verses and ponder them. In fact, there are 31 chapter, chapters in the book of Proverbs. You might want to take a chapter a day for a month, a long month. And uh, for the other shorter months, just do you know, two chapters at the end. But it's, it's a good way to get through the book of Proverbs. Maybe do it a couple of times a year and uh, get some real good wisdom in your life. Last week, we looked at the importance of friendships and talk about how good friends will prepare you for life. And tonight we're going to be talking about being a mentor. Uh, and my title is Being Mentored, How to Stay on Track for the Rest of Your Life. <clears throat> Father, we ask as we turn to the Bible that you'd speak to us, that God, you would indeed teach us wisdom from the book of Proverbs. God, help us to have ears that are wide open and hearts that are wide open and minds that are wide open and alert to hear what you've got to say to us through the Bible. Help me to share. Help us to listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, father and son were walking home one particular day, and the, the son was asking the father tons of questions. And it, a couple of questions were like this. The, the son says to his dad, Dad, how is it that electricity goes through those power lines from those pole, that pole, to that pole there? And uh, how is it the electricity does that? And the father said, you know, son, that's a, that's a good question. To be honest, it's one of the questions I've asked, and I don't really know. To be honest, son, sorry. And the son said, you know, a few minutes later, he said, Dad, how is it thunder and lightning happens? You know, what causes that electricity to do that whole thing? And so, son, that's a great question as well. I'm also a bit puzzled about that one. Anyway, between then and all the way home, as they walked home, the son was asking him one question after the other. I mean, just bombarding the dad with questions. As they came close to the house, the son said to the father, I mean, to be honest, the father wasn't answering any of them, right? Anyway, as, as they got close to the house, the son said to his dad, Pop, I hope you don't mind me asking all these questions. And the father said, Son, it's no problem. How else will you learn? <laughs> but we should ask questions and we should take wisdom from others. And that's, that's the whole theme of tonight. That Actually, you can gain a huge amount of wisdom from other people. God has blessed you with people around you. You may have not noticed that, 
but there are people around you who can benefit your life. There are also other people around you who will damage your life. So you want to avoid them like the plague. But there are good people around you who will totally benefit your life. And you hang out with them, you're going to go somewhere good because they're going somewhere good. And uh, that, that, that's the theme, that's the heart of tonight's message. So why do we need mentors? Well, I, I want to say, first of all, that human beings are loose cannons. I, I'm a loose cannon. I mean, I would have gone off in so many tangents in life had it not been for good friends just giving me a bit of wise advice. And uh, therefore, as loose cannons, we need mentors. God gave us a phenomenal role model. God himself took on human flesh. This is, this is what we believe as Christians, that Jesus arrived on the scene. And uh, we don't believe he was a human being or just a prophet or a guru. We believe he is God incarnate. This is God in the flesh. And Jesus walked this earth. He, he lived an incredible life. He taught phenomenal things. And uh, he, he's held up for us as the ultimate example of humanity. And I want to become more like him. The journey of becoming more like him is a process. It's an ongoing process. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it, it's taken me a few weeks at least. Uh, but no, it's a journey that, to be honest, is going to go on for all our lives. Before, And he is a perfect example of humanity. Um, and the way to illustrate how we become like that is one day a sculptor was, had this huge big block of marble and a kid was asking him, what's it going to be? And he said, it's going to be a horse. And the kid said, how's it going to go from that to being looking like a horse? And the sculptor said, I'm going to knock off every bit of this marble that doesn't look like a horse. <laughs> and that's what God's doing in our lives. He, we're on a journey here where God is working on us. And every bit of stuff in my life, um, uh, he's knocking off the stuff that just doesn't look like Jesus Christ. It's this kind of wonky thinking that Jesus wouldn't think that way. And it's, it's the way I relate to people that Jesus just wouldn't do it that way. And I, I want to become more like him. He's my hero. He's my role model. And as, as he, he knocks off those rough edges, I start to become more the man that God wants me to be. So we're on a journey. We're on a process. Also, Jesus himself, another reason why we should be mentored is Jesus himself was mentored. Jesus himself was a person who was under authority. He understood this great principle of being under authority. Um, Sean, you want to pass us that umbrella up there, man? <clears throat> Here's now, one of you may recognize this. We found this in the lost and founds up in the <laughs> upstairs. So if you say, ah, oh, that's my umbrella, <clears throat> you can have it at the end. If you don't mind, I can hold on to it just now. Jesus was under authority. So I want to kind of illustrate this by being under this umbrella here. Being under authority gives you a covering. It's a very trendy umbrella, I must say. That's quite cool. Uh, being under authority gives you covering in life. It protects you from a whole lot of stuff that otherwise could damage your life. Let me read to you from the Bible. It says in Matthew 8 and verse 5 to 10, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asked him for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And I say to this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. Now, to get Jesus astonished, you had to do pretty well. But Jesus was astonished at this man. He said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. What Jesus found in this guy was an understanding of a principle. The guy was saying this, Jesus, can you heal my, my servant? 
And Jesus said, I'll come to your house and heal him. But the centurion said, now listen, let's backtrack a moment. This was a Roman centurion. Jesus was a Jewish nobody, carpenter. And this Roman centurion, and bear in mind the Jews were under Roman oppression, this Roman leader got on his knees before a Jewish carpenter. That's humility. And he paid tribute to Jesus Christ. And his conviction was this, you don't even need to come to my house and lay hands on him. I believe you have the backing of heaven. And all you need to do is speak the words and my servant's situation will instantly change. And here's how I know that, Jesus. I'm a centurion. I'm under Caesar's authority. That means if I say to one of the soldiers who's under me, can you go and do this? They'll jolly well go and do it. Not because I'm so forceful, but because they know I'm under Caesar's authority. And if they don't do what I ask them to do, they're going to have to answer to someone behind me. And I, I say to go and do that, and they say, come and do this. And, and you know what? They do it because I'm under authority. So, Jesus Christ, I believe you're sent from heaven. I believe you have the backing of heaven. You're under the Father's authority. That means you have authority. And you can just say to that sickness, be gone, and it will be gone. This centurion had a grasp of a principle that when you are under authority, you have authority. If you're a loose cannon, you might look impressive, you might feel free, but the reality is you have no authority in life, and you might go off on many dangerous tangents. But if you're under authority, you're empowered with authority. Okay, I'm looking for a couple of volunteers, please. Andrew McGreen and, and Neil. Let's hear for Andrew McGreen and Neil. Hey, woo-hoo, woo! If you guys want to stand here, please. Neil, can you hold this umbrella, man? Sean, Sean, can you pass me the bottle of water? That'd be great. Okay, here's an... Yeah, that's great. Well, some people are not under authority in life. Other people, however, are under authority in life. Now, when, you, when you're a loose cannon, when you're a loose cannon and not under authority, Andrew, you mind standing up in there? That's, yeah. Just stand it, that's good. When you are a loose cannon and not under authority, do you know what's going to happen? Stuff in life's going to affect you. You'll, you're exposed. Bad things happen. But if you're under authority, bad stuff happens. Everything's fine. Water off a duck's back. <laughs> Thanks, guys. No, no, did you get the point, or did you need me to illustrate it more? Did you, did you understand it? No? I don't think they got it. What else could I do to help illustrate this point? When you're not under authority, oh boy, oh man, <laughs> honestly, that is the absolute, that, when you're not under authority, it couldn't be worse, it's seriously, it, honestly, it is, believe me, you're spiritually exposed, you might make so many bad decisions in life, not being under authority is the worst thing, any other questions?
Let's hear it for our volunteers. Woo! Oh, the, the, um, yes. the centurion said, Jesus, do you know what? I am also a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. Do you know what? Destiny Church Edinburgh has grown. We've, uh, in 2004, we had 60 people, and most of them were students, and we bought this building. Today, we have about 450 on a Sunday. Um, that's counting people once. If you add all the services together, we have over 500. But when you take away people who attend a couple of services, or if some of you are here in the morning, and so on, it comes down to about 400 to 450 people. So we've grown since 2004 to 2008 times 10. We've gone from 40 to 450, that kind of scale of growth. It's been phenomenal. And I get church leaders asking me, Peter, what's your key to success? I mean, other than your good looks <laughs> and your profound wisdom. Uh, I said, no, that's it. No, that's... No, no. Other than what, what, what is your key to success? And do you know what I quote? I quote the centurion. I say, I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I am not a loose cannon. And it, it, it has been the best and yet the toughest thing in my life to not be a loose cannon. It would be very easy. I mean, it, I can understand why some churches are independent churches. But independent churches, that concept doesn't exist in the Bible. It'd be so easy to be a loose cannon. You just do what you want. Whatever inclination takes your heart, just go this way or that way. But you know what? I deliberately, no one, no one imposes it on me, but I deliberately seek out mentoring. Andrew, through in Destiny Church Glasgow, he's an apostle. He oversees this church. He oversees my life. He asks me tough questions. He asks me how my spirituality is. He asks me how my marriage is. He asks me if I'm walking with integrity in private and in public. He asks me the questions that not many other people would dare ask me but I need those questions asked. He keeps me on track. When I blow it, when I make mistakes, I talk to him about that. I'm very honest. I am not a loose cannon. First of all, that can give you confidence that your pastor isn't a loose cannon. Secondly, it gives me a great confidence before God because I know absolutely I would have honestly gone on so many wrong tangents in leading this church. I'd have thought, why don't we do it this way? But as I've taken the concepts and submitted them to someone else and asked them, what do you think about this? The wisdom of God has been there. It's kept us on track. And do you know what? We've just kept growing. And yet there are many factors. Never, there's never only one big key to success. But I tell you, the biggest one for me is this, that I'm under authority. And that gives me authority. Do you know what? I have a sense that God's given me authority in the city. I've got a sense that. I don't, I don't feel there's no no-go areas in the city. I feel that God has given me an authority in the city. Why? Because I'm under authority. I'm under authority. And I've, I've made a commitment to God. I've, saying, I've said to God, God, as long as Andrew Owen stays on track with you, I'm going to be under his authority till the day I die. That's the commitment I've made. I'm so committed to this principle. And I believe so firmly in its essentialness in my life that this is the commitment I've made. Jesus moved in great authority. Jesus himself humbled himself to the Father's authority. He said, I, only, I don't do anything of my own initiative. He said, only what I see the Father doing. When you're under authority, it gives you great confidence and authority in life. I want to encourage you, don't be a loose cannon. I'm not saying lose your independence. I'm not saying don't be a free thinker. I'm not saying don't take initiative. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying come under some dictatorship. I'm not suggesting that. And neither is the Bible. But the Bible is saying be a humble enough person to have someone or other people who you can learn from. 
And if you don't, the danger is you might, in your own wisdom, so you think, you might make wrong decisions. You might go off on wrong tangents. There's a wisdom from God to be under authority. Here's some key verses that illustrate this principle. Proverbs 10 and verse 17. He is on the path of life who heeds instruction. But he who ignores reproof goes astray. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools suffer harm. I mean, it's, it's, here it's black and white. It, it teaches that, you know what? If you walk with wise people, by default, you're going to grow wiser. <clears throat> I mean, the same is the case. If you hang out with Egypts, you're going to become an Egypt. If you hang around nutters, you will be a nutter. It won't take you very long. Some of you are already there, right? You know who you are. But equally, if, if you spend time with wise people, it won't be long before you get wise, before you get sharper in certain areas. Basically, a successful person is someone who makes people successful. You hang out with successful people, you'll become a successful person. You hang out with someone who's on fire with a faith in God. Do you know what? You're going to get a stronger faith in God. You hang out with people who are yeah, they're Christians in title. They would go to church on a Sunday, but they're compromising big style. They're dabbling with stuff they shouldn't, dab- they shouldn't dabble with, and their life is full of compromise. Do you know what? It won't be long before you're compromising. This is just a principle, and the Bible's so wise in pointing out to us the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: iron sharpens iron. You see that on the cookery programs, or you maybe even cook yourself. You sharpen those knives by rubbing off each other, so one man sharpens another. You can get sharper by hanging out with other people. If you avoid other people, you're denying yourself the great benefit in life of becoming a stronger, sharper person in life. Tiger Woods was asked, why do you need a coach? And his answer to that question, why do I need a coach? He said this, most pro golfers can attain 97% excellence, but it's the last 3% that make me a champion, he said. And it's that 3% that can be gained through rigorous coaching. He deliberately submits himself to a coach, a coach who actually can't play golf as good as him, yet who knows enough stuff, enough wisdom, enough concept of the game of golf to advise him on a process by which he can become a world-class golfer. Are you wise or foolish? When the rubber hits the road, this issue displays people who are wise and people who are foolish. You see, Mentoring, I believe, is one of the key differences between a wise person and a foolish person. The person who gets mentored is wise. The person who avoids mentoring is foolish. Proverbs 9, 7 to 9. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. He who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Now, you you ever experienced that? (laughs) You talk to someone and you say... I just need to talk to you about this area in your life. And they say, who are you to tell me? Sometimes I react that way. When a wife tells me something, who are you to tell me? Then I remember the Bible verses. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just displaying folly. I've got to wise up here and listen. And then it says, reprove a wise man and he'll love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. It's, it's the key difference, I believe, between the person who's foolish and the person who is wise. I've got a, a dear friend in this church 
who is a very successful lawyer, a head, uh, one of the key senior partners in one of Scotland's leading law firms. And you know what? He comes to me, a 32-year-old, and asks me for advice, direction for his life, advice on marriage, advice on spirituality and faith issues. <laughs> I don't feel qualified, but that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is there's a humble person. There's a very wise person. Not wise because he comes to me. Wise because he believes in a principle. And he's got enough humility to go to others and say, could you speak into my life? Can you give me some advice for life here? I mean, that's, that blows me away. That's ultimate wisdom. Proverbs 12 verse 1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 12 to 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. We ha- you maybe saw in the news a number of years ago, uh, Compaq computers went through a major upheaval because of bad financial decisions they'd been making. And when it was analyzed, well, what went wrong in that huge, big industry giant, what they discovered was this, that the chief executive in Compaq was surrounded with a bunch of yes people. They never told him the reality of where things were at. They always just told him what he wanted to hear. And as a result, he could never strategically change the direction the company was going on because he thought everything was fine when it wasn't. No one had the guts to tell him, actually, things are going down the tube. If someone had told him, he might have said, right, let's get a grip and change some things and divert ourselves from disaster. But he didn't because no one told him. He surrounded himself with yes people. And it's dangerous in your life if you, you just hang out with buddies who tell you what you want to hear. To be honest, your friend is, if, you're fr- if, if you have someone and you're making majorly bad decisions in life and they're just saying, good on you, buddy. They're not your friends. They're not your friends. According to the Bible, your friend's the person who will tell you where it's at, who will have enough courage to say, listen, I know I'm not going to be popular for telling you this, but the reality is, I see what's going on in your life. Come on, get a grip. That's wisdom, that's prudent. And that will tell you, it'll keep you safe. It'll keep you from going down the tubes like Compaq. It'll keep you on track. Proverbs 15, 31 and 32. He who listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise, but the one who neglects discipline despises himself. You hate yourself if you don't want discipline in life. He who listens to reproof acquires understanding. So be a listener. Be someone who is willing to be corrected. If you can take a correction, then it's displaying that you are a wise person. Andrew Carnegie, that great Scottish-born industrialist who gave huge amounts to charities and made vast amounts of money through the steel, I think it was the steel manufacturing industry in America, um, he said this, it marks a big step in your development when you come to realize that other people can help you do a better job than you could do alone. The Carnegie Technological Institute stated that 90% of all people who fail in their life's vocation fail because they can't get along with others. Do you know what? Some people just don't want to hang out with other people. Why? They know themselves how many rough edges they've got. And by hanging out with other people, they just, can't, they, they just want to avoid the issues. And when they hang out with other people, it raises the issues. So do you know what? Stuff other people. 
I'm not going to hang out with anyone else. You know, some people don't actually go to church anymore. Some people who used to go to church have stopped going to church. Because what happens is at church they get challenged about certain things in their life. And they want to hold on to those things. So what they do is they say, well, I can be a Christian without going to church. Well, technically you can. But you take the coal out of the fire. It won't be long before that coal goes from red hot to black. You need to be in an environment. An environment not just where you get comfort. Not just an environment where you meet God. But also an environment where it's dynamic and you get challenged and inspired to reach for higher and further. Become a winner. Some people isolate themselves. The Bible warns against that. Proverbs 18.1 He who separates himself seeks his own desire and quarrels against all sound wisdom. You're fighting against sound wisdom by separating yourself, by isolating yourself, by stepping away from relationships, by saying, no, no, you come too close. No, no. I'm, I'm just going to be my own little lion. And you keep all the, everything shut up tight in here. You're a closed book. You're, you're friendly to everyone, but you're a closed book and no one can get into your life to in any way be a friend that can tell you where it's at. And equally, you deny them the privilege of knowing you as a friend who can tell them where it's at. So the humility of wisdom would say, let's be teachable. Let's be teachable. Here was one guy. This is what happened to him. Here's a guy who, do you know what? He, had, he was on a building site. He, he was a loose cannon. He liked doing things his own way, my way or the highway. So he didn't want to work with anyone else, so he figured he could do this all by himself. So he got on the building site, and he had an accident. And this is him writing to the insurance company. I'm writing in response to your request for additional information. In block three of the accident form, I wrote down, trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I had to explain more fully exactly what took place. So I hope the following details are sufficient. I'm a bricklayer by trades. On the date of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a six-story building. When I completed my work, I found that I had 500 pounds of bricks left over. Rather than carrying the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel using the pulley, which fortunately was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at the ground level, I went up to the roof, swung out the barrel, and loaded the bricks into it. When I went back to the ground to untie the rope, uh, holding on tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks, you will note in block 11 of the accident claim report that I am 131 pounds. But to my surprise, being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and I forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I had a rather rapid rate of ascent up the side of the building to the vicinity of the third floor where I met the barrel coming down. <laughs> this is, explains the fractal, fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowed down only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until my fingers on my right hand, uh, two knuckles, were deeply embedded into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of the pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out the barrel. Devoid of the weight of five of, of bricks, the barrel then weighed approximately 50 pounds. You refer again to the, my weight in block 11. You might imagine that I made a rapid descent down the side of the building. At the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and lacerations in my leg and lower body area. The encounter with the barrel slowed me down enough to lessen my injuries when I hit the pile of bricks. And fortunately, there were only three vertebrae, vertebrae were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there in the bricks in pain, unable to stand and watching my empty barrel six stories above me, 
Again, I lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. The barrel, uh, the empty barrel weighed more than the rope and it came back down on me and broke both my legs. I hope I have furnished you with enough information for my insurance claim. (laughs) So don't try to do it yourself. That's the key. You can't do life by yourself. You'll end up breaking every bone in your body. Benefits of being mentored. Here's some from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 14, it says, The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life to turn aside from the snares of death. Death. I mean, it's a strong word. The Bible's saying here, if you get mentoring, if you get input and advice, you'll be protected from death. That's a bit extreme, Pierre. Well, death can be applied in so many areas. It could be death to a marriage. If only you had enough input and mentoring, that marriage could have lived. It could be death to a work situation. Man, if, if only I had someone give me some advice there, I could have made it through at work. It could be physical death. It could be spiritual death. It could be emotional death. The Bible says the way of life is teaching of the wise. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there's no guidance, the people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there's victory. Proverbs fifteen twenty two, without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. You know, if 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 you're planning, you know, my advice is this. I mean, you can make tons of decisions in life, but see, when it comes to the biggies, my total advice to you is this: get someone who you know and trust to give you advice on those biggies. If it's to do with relocating to another part of the world or getting married to someone or, you know, making a major life change decision, my complete advice to you is this. Ultimately, the decision is yours. My advice to you from the Bible is get some advice on those situations because you and I all know people who have made the most crazy decisions on the biggest of decisions. And if only they had had the wisdom to go and ask advice, they might have avoided those disasters. Proverbs 20, verse 18, prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. It also says, without consultations, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. You know, as you take big steps and get advice and counsel from wise people, not Egypt's, but wise people, then you'll be prepared for those right decisions. Um, as you know, as Alex mentioned earlier, we've just succeeded in purchasing the, the, the old uh, New Tivoli uh, cinema house in Gorgie. It was converted into the bingo hall and uh, we've now got change of use to make it into a church worship facility and community center. And uh, it, we, we managed to buy the building for a bargain in Edinburgh for 900,000 pounds, which for Edinburgh is, is an absolute bargain. And to, to be able to do that, many of you and the other services contributed we raised the money. We took the step of faith. And with your wisdom and your generosity, my generosity and God's help, we managed to raise the money. We bought the building. And, um, but you know what? That whole purchasing process, man, I, th- I mean, buying a house is complicated enough. When you're buying something of this scale, the consultants you need and the permissions you need, and the, I mean, it's a, it is a can of worms. There are so many uh, business decisions and things. Man, it, seriously, I needed to take advice. So we got lots of advice. We got lots of advice from people who were 
um, from lawyers. We get lots of advice from our trustees. We get lots of advice from our bank. We get lots of advice from our accountants. We sat down with, uh, I, I gathered a bunch of people in the church here whose heads are screwed on financially and who are used to making decisions of this scale. I sat them down. I had them around my place at 11 o'clock at night one night after everyone had finished their work. We had a supper and we ch- talked in detail about every detail of the purchase. And I asked them, are we doing anything wrong here? What do you think? Are we taking the right steps? Is it adding up in your minds? Why? Because while I felt in the heart it was the right decision, I needed to make sure, because it was a major commitment I was, I was exposing us all to, if it wasn't the right decision. And do you know what? We, we, we submitted it to the leaders here, the, the senior leaders and to the cell and team leaders. And we got a lot of advice and a lot of input. And as we did that, we applied what the Bible says. We got counsel from others. They input it into the process. And I believe, as a result, I have absolute confidence before God. We've so done the right thing. We've done the right thing. And as we launched service, as we canceled the two morning services and launched our big morning service in Gorgie come August, uh, I believe growth is going to be there. Why? Because we've done it God's way. We've got advice. Do you know the amazing thing was? Even buying this building was through council. We were meeting up at Tollcross Primary and uh, we've been there for a number of years as we continue to grow. And I was with Andrew, my mentor, through in Germany. And as I was there in Germany, Andrew was speaking at the church there. I asked Andrew, Andrew, when you're praying for us in Edinburgh, are you sensing anything in your heart for us? And he said, Peter, you know, as I've been praying for you, I cannot get Leith out of my head. I just, I know there's a part of Edinburgh called Leith, and I, I just feel God might have something for you there. So in response to that, I came down to Leith, and I started wandering around Leith, and I started praying, God, have you got something for us here? In fact, I started praying, God, would you provide us not just a place to meet in Leith, would you provide us with a building in Leith? If you want us here, I pray you'd provide us with our first building that we can buy here in Leith. Now, I'm not joking, I prayed that prayer outside the door there. And I, I was hardly even aware this building existed. I prayed, the door, I prayed the prayer outside the door. Having prayed that prayer, into my head came the name of a girl. This girl, she'd been at the church for a while, I hadn't seen her for a while. So I didn't I didn't relate this thought to the prayer I just prayed. I thought it was just a pastoral concern. How's she doing? I haven't seen her for a while. So I got my mobile phone out. I, ca- I called this particular lassie. I said, oh, how are you doing? I haven't seen you for a while. Is everything okay? And da, 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 da. We, we chit-chatted. And she said, where are you today? And I said, I'm in Leith. I said, oh, I work in Leith. Whereabouts in Leith? So I looked and I said, I'm in Castle Bank Street. And she said, I work in Jane Street. That's that one there. Why don't you come around? We can catch a coffee in the common room. She worked at Bethany. And so I went round. We we caught up over a coffee, and she said, so what were you doing in Leith? I said, well, it just so happens that just before I phoned you to see how you're doing, I was praying that God would provide us with a building. I said, ah, you need to meet my boss. He knows about all the buildings in Leith. So she introduced me to her boss, and he opened his window, which if this wall didn't exist, you'd see. Uh, he opened his window and pointed at this building and said, next week, that's coming on the open market. My heart leapt. I didn't care how she was anymore. I ran out the door. I ran, See you. I'll pray for you. And off. And I, I got around here. I got the phone number for this place. And I phoned up the pastor. And we, we made an offer. We got this place for a quarter of a million. It was the lowest offer. But they accepted this. And God was thoroughly in it. Do you know how it started? Do you know how it started? I was in Germany with my mentor. And I said, do you feel God saying anything for us? Now I could have said, you know what? I don't want anyone telling me how it's going here. I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to hear from God myself. 
But you know what? I have no problem with someone else hearing God and us getting it right that way. I have no problem with that. As long as we get it right. <laughs> as long as we're wise enough just to listen and be humble enough. Do you know how we bought Gorgie? It was almost identical sequence of events. Almost identical. Instead of one prophetic word, it was three prophetic confirmations over a period of a year and a half that completely pointed towards that we need to buy the new Tivoli and Gorgie. I mean, it was crystal clear. So I have an absolute confidence before God. In congregation, you can have a confidence before God that God has placed us so firmly in Lethen and Gorgie, strategically in high populations of unchurched people, that we can reach out to the unchurched population of our city from these two locations and run services from both locations as the years ahead progress. Isn't that exciting? How do we get there? The wisdom that comes from counsel. Input from others. So are you teachable? At the end of the service, we're going to be baptizing some people here. And um, the whole idea of baptism comes from the Bible. And Jesus commanded his disciples in Matthew 28 and verses 18 to 20. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a great promise. That means he's here now. Jesus, we welcome you. He's here now. And he promised, he, he commissioned the church, go and make disciples. You know that word disciple? That word disciple in the Greek literally means a learner or a pupil. Someone who's constantly learning. So if you're saying I'm a disciple of Jesus, but who are you to tell me? Then I say, no, you're not. If, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're claiming to be a learner, but you're unteachable, then you might like the idea of being a disciple, but you're not really being a disciple. But if you're a disciple, you're saying, do you know what? I'm a learner. I haven't got all the answers. I'm on a journey. I'm eager to learn. God, I want to learn your wisdom. I want to learn it. I want to figure out this life thing. I want to do it your way. I want to, I want to live life with my wife. That rhymes. I want to live life at work your way. I want to live life at church, your way. I want to do the church, your way. I want to do my finances, your way. I want to walk this walk, your way. God, give me wisdom. Give me input. And you're going to be around constantly. You're going to be looking for input. You're going to be reading books. You're going to be hanging out with people. You're going to be coming to services. Why? Because that's what disciples do. That's why another reason why Christians should come to church. Turn up at church. Be a disciple. Be a learner. Someone who can say, do you know what? I ain't got all the answers and I'm willing to learn. That's humility. And that's wise. Uh, John Singleton, um, who is currently directing the A-Team. So he's a dude. And the film's going to be released next year. Uh, but he says this about his whole attitude towards, I guess you could call it, being a disciple. What real filmmakers do is they study films, he says. They study their craft. No matter how much success they encounter... They're always in the process of studying. Singleton himself says that he watches at least a film a day just to learn from other people how they do it. He says nobody is an expert at filmmaking. Anyone who tells you he is, he's lying. I'm still a student, says John Singleton, who's doing pretty well for himself. That's humility. That's wisdom. Proverbs 8, 10 and 11 and verse 33 says, Take my instruction and not silver, Knowledge rather than the choices of gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all the desirable things cannot compare with her. Heed instruction 
and be wise and do not neglect it. Listen to, if you're from Glasgow, you'll think, what's the heed instruction? I don't get that. No, it means listen to instruction. Okay, Ouija's. Proverbs 10 verse 8 says, The wise of heart will receive commands, but the babbling fool will be ruins. If all you want to do is tell everyone else your thing, if all, see when you're in a conversation with someone and all you do is talk, I think you're a babbling fool. Possibly. You can figure that out yourself. But if you're a person who heeds instruction, takes advice, and listens, you're wise. As we said last week, God has blessed you with two ears and one mouth. Please, please, please use it in those proportions. Thanks for responding so well to that revelation. (laughs) When's the last time you took someone's advice? When's the last time you actually took someone's advice? When's the last time you took someone's advice and modified your behavior and made some changes as a result of someone's advice? Do you know what? You should be able to say yesterday, last week, because that's the journey we're on. We're disciples. We're learners. We're growing. If your response is, oh, they're so critical, they're so critical. Well, it might be that you're just not wise. Apparently in an airplane, during the duration of its flight, 90% of its flight, the airplane is off track. I mean, if you line that plane up totally in line with its destination, 90% of the time, it's one way or the other. Really, only a small percentage of the time is it actually pointing directly at its destination. But it's in its readjustments that it gets there. Constantly readjusting. Constantly checking the course. Constantly. Life is like that. And woe to us if no one's there to help us. Because sometimes we ain't hearing God that clear. Now, He helps us all the time. But sometimes we need someone around us to say, wake up, you loser. Get on track. See where it's really at. You're making some dumb decisions here. You need some help. That's wisdom. How do you get mentored? Well, here's some practical ways. See, as a church here, we, this is our culture. We believe in mentoring. So uh, the pastors of, in Destiny Churches, we have a, a whole network of pastors and once a month, did you know, we fly them in from all across Europe once a month to get teaching input. That's, that's how much we believe in mentoring. We take a day all together, and it's not like we're paying their flights. They're all paying their own flights to travel in to get mentoring. We believe in this principle. Here locally, we've got 70 leaders in the church. Uh, most of them are voluntary, and we've got 10 on staff. And the, the 70 leaders, once a month, sorry, well, monthly, the leaders get input in one form or another. And every three months, all the leaders gather together for we have a meal with them all here and we do some teaching time. Why? Because we believe that you know, they're giving out. They're constantly giving out to others. Uh, but they need input themselves. Otherwise, if you're, all you're doing is giving out, you're going to drain yourself out. You're going to burn out. You're going to be running on empty. So they need input just as they're giving out. So we encourage this whole atmosphere, this whole environment of mentoring. First and foremost, where do we get mentoring? First and foremost, we get mentoring from the Lord. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And in John 16, 13, it says, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you into truth. 
How many of you have been in situations and times where you think, man, what did I do in this situation? And into your head in a blinding flash comes a stroke of genius and it was from the Holy Spirit. How many people have had that? I mean, most of you. It's incredible. And some, I mean, I remember hearing some of you talk about uh, when you've been in job interviews and you've been in that situation where they've been asking you a couple of questions and into your head, blinding flash, you were reminded to talk about a particular experience you had and you had no idea how that would relate to what they're going to talk to you about. But it totally does. I mean, you've had that kind of experiences, right? It's just incredible. The Holy Spirit is your ultimate mentor. He is your life coach. He's the one. In fact, Jesus, when he says, I will send a helper, um, he talks about the Holy Spirit as the helper. And that word helper in the Greek is this word parakletos. And what it literally means, well, para, we recognize that, like parallel, you know, two lines, or parachute, something alongside you. It literally means alongside para. Kletos is to help. So when the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as the parakletos, it means the one who is called alongside to help. That the Holy Spirit is there walking with you day in, day out. And I want to encourage us to be so astute, so alert to his promptings. Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs in the first place, the reason he got all that wisdom was he was alert to the Holy Spirit's prompting. So I want to encourage you, um, by all means, get mentoring by others, but first and foremost, get mentoring by the Lord. Let him mentor you. Let him make, let be a God-made man, not a self-made man. Let let God develop you and shape you and help you and guide you and give you instruction. And his wisdom, his instruction will completely take you on track in life. You see, folks, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. I'm not here trying to peddle religion. If I was, I may as well quit now. I'm not interested in that at all. What I'm interested in is something that works. A real, authentic relationship with God that can, I mean, completely revolutionize your life. Listen, if today, it's tonight. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not in relationship with him, if you, if you and God, there's a distance between you, then listen, what are you waiting for? He's your God. Run to him. Let him, let him be number one in your life. Give him your whole commitment. Give him everything and start following him. That's what you were born for. It's the reason you sense an emptiness in the inside that can only be satisfied, only satisfied with this relationship with God. Run to him. And God wants to have this relationship. And in this relationship, he's your heavenly father and he will guide you into a good place in life. Also, we find that he gives us direction through his word, the Bible. Bible's an amazing book. It is the world's all-time bestseller. It is the most incredible book. The amazing thing I find about the Bible is I can read a novel or a history book or a biography or something like that, and after I've read it once, to be honest, I'm not really going to read it again. It's lost its novelty. It doesn't grip me anymore. And it's great the first time through, but I've read it all before. But see, when it comes to the Bible, it's amazing. I can read the same verse time after time after time after time, and every time, it grips me. I mean, it totally grips me. I mean, even last week, I was just reading through the Bible and dif- different things happening in life. And to pick up the Bible, it speaks, I mean, it, I would have to hunt high and low to try and find a verse that spoke so accurately about my situation as the verse I read did. Yet every time I come to the Bible, God speaks directly into my life. It's incredible. It's a supernatural book. And the Bible says about itself in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that all scripture is God-breathed. It's God-breathed. God spoke it. God-inspired. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's like that plane just keeping it on track, 
keeping it on track with its destination. That the man of God, and I, I hope it applies to women as well, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants you thoroughly equipped for life, thoroughly equipped for the purpose that he's got for you. So the way you get there is let the Bible be your guide. It's the very word of God to you. It's not man-made. It's divinely inspired. And when you come to the Bible, don't come thinking, I will master this. Come with the Bible and say, God, let this master me. Let him be Lord. Let him be number one. Let him be the guiding force in your life. Proverbs, it talks about this as well in chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects a son in whom he delights. I remember just becoming a Christian at age, 13, at age uh, 15. I remember sometimes picking up the Bible and it was so incredibly challenging. My life was like this and the Bible was saying this. I mean, there was no correlation whatsoever. And I thought, man, I really hope the Bible's got it wrong this time. But lo and behold, I got it wrong. And I, I found sometimes the Bible so challenging. And I, I, I got myself to the point of thinking, God, do you even like me anymore? <laughs> well, do you know what? The very fact he corrects you displays that he loves you. I've got two wonderful little kids. If I, I, I would hate them if I just let them do their own thing. If I just let them run around and hurt themselves or go play near the fires for as, long as, as much as I care, you know, what kind of father would I be? A true father will say, no, don't go there. It's damaging. And the Bible does have don'ts in it. The Bible has things that it corrects you about. Of course it does. It's, it's quite an uncomfortable book to read. As well as the encouragement, there's also tons of challenge. It is, I mean, to be honest, that's what it is. But you know what? It's a sign that God loves you. It's a sign that you're his son or his daughter. The very fact he takes that interest in you that he would want to correct you. You know, the, the other way you can be mentored is through leaders. And I've talked about this, how, how for myself, having Andrew as a mentor for my life has been a real help for me. Mark Twain said, keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But the really great make you feel that you too can become great. So you want to hang out with people and allow people to be around you who will help you reach for your potential, who will believe in you, who will speak things to you, not because they want to keep you down, but because they want to empower you to reach for everything you've got, that everything God's put in you. And that's my experience of mentoring. Andrew's been a real great mentor. He really steps in. He usually just says, go on, Peter, go for it. You can think bigger than that. And he keeps me looking up rather than getting all engrossed in the task at hand. He keeps me seeing the bigger picture. Mentoring, I've found to be the biggest benefit. Uh, he's an awesome guy. As I say, he asks me all the tough questions. Sometimes, instead of saying, hi, Andrew, how are you? I say, hi, Andrew, how am I? You know, it, <laughs> it's great. And do you know what? I get mentoring in different ways from different people. Some people really help me with my marriage. Now, they wouldn't help me in other areas in life, but just by hanging out with them, I learn stuff that helps me be a better husband. I look at them and I think, do you know what, mate, you're a great husband. I, not, I don't even ask advice. I just hang around them and just watch and learn and think, that's how you treat your wife. That's how you should do it. So I learn, and there's wisdom. Another way you can gain mentoring is this, through books, through CDs, through MP3s. If you're a disciple, that means you're a learner. And I want to encourage you, just be somewhat like a sponge, hungry for truth, hungry for knowledge. Don't fill your life with nonsense. Don't waste your time on stuff that's not going to benefit you. Build yourself up. 
Again, here's a quote from Andrew. I wrote this down. He said that one of the things that I do, Andrew said, is hang out with big people. And when you hang out with big people, it changes your perspective. There are bigger people than you think around you. And Andrew encourages, uh, encourages all the leaders to, you know, you can hang out with big people without even being with them. You can just read their book. Or you can listen to some of the stuff they said on CD. Or you can hang out with them by attending their church. But you can become a bigger person. You can become a stronger person by hanging out with those people and you can make that happen. I mean, I, I've, I commit myself to learning all the time. I remember when I was, I trained to be an architect and when I was at university, it was great. I loved just drawing and you had your drawing board out and sometimes you're drawing into the early hours of the morning. Do you know what? Actually, I really look forward to it because what I'd do is I would get some brilliant preacher or some great motivating person or someone who's got some good things to say. I'd plug them into the tape player and I would listen. And do you know what? Time just went, hours just went by and I absorbed so much stuff. I remember one particular guy, Aaron Baxter. Oh, old school. Gruff kind of guy. Brilliant. Yeah, bring it on, Aaron. Changed my life. Changed my life. Uh, listen to people. Read from people. Listen, who aren't like you. Learn from people who totally aren't like you. Rick Warren said, I mean, Rick Warren, uh, this guy's nuts. He said for the first six years in ministry, he read a book a day. Oh. Like, a book a year, man. But he does a book a day. I think I'm dyslexic, think I. I, I keep getting things the wrong way around. And, but I, I'm a very slow reader. I absorb a lot. But to do a book a day, that's incredible. But Rick Warren said his advice on reading is this. Everyone's got to have their favorite heretic. He said, you've got to have your favorite heretic. You don't just read people you agree with. If you just read people you agree with, you're never going to challenge yourself or be able to be firm in your own convictions. You've got to read people you disagree with and who, who say it really well and it really challenges you. And you think, all right. So then it really provokes you to dig deeper into your own convictions to say, do you know what? Yes, I still do stand by these convictions. And here's why. So listen to people, learn from people who are totally different to you, who have a different approach and who have a different style. If you look at, I, I'd spend a lot of time listening to MP3s. And if you look at my MP3 collection, you will find a wide range of theological backgrounds. You will find a wide range of churches. I don't just listen to people who pass the churches like this one. I listen to people from a wide range of different backgrounds and age groups and experiences and cultures. Why? Because there's a wisdom of God to learn in so many people. <clears throat> so I want to encourage you, make the most at your fingertips today is so much available. Read, listen, make your car a college. Wherever you're going, listen. Be inputting into your life. Here's a quick page from our website. This is the links page on the website. And this is, if you scroll down the links page here, at the bottom, there's a whole lot of freebies here that you, you want to maybe make the most of. Um, so there's Bible reading plans here. Uh, you can download them. You click it and you get a PDF of Bible reading plans if you want to read the Bible in a year or, or whatever. Um, there's online Bible. There's... Uh, Science, Creation, and the Meaning of Life. That's a brilliant website. You go to it, it's called the Veritas Forum. And it's got some amazing people, scientists, philosophers. Uh, and it's also MP3s, you can listen to them debating with atheists and winning. And uh, you, can, you hear them t talking about really deep stuff. It's really profound. I mean, that's, where I, that's how I'm so deep, because I listen to these things. And then there's um, free Bible study software, and you get commentaries and all that there. You can just download it. It's free, all free. And you're Scottish, and that's good. <laughs> internet pornography, online accountability, all right, this is off tangent, but anyway, you can get that, that might help some of you, um, then more mp3 messages, free, you can, on our website, we've got an mp3 page, you can download all the stuff for free, 
for the last few years of teaching, all different guest speakers we've had here, all different subjects. But um, there's, there's another website out there called sermonindex.net. It's got 14,000 messages preached by a wide range of preachers. I mean, some of the old school guys like D.L. Moody and uh, Charles Spurgeon. Man, that guy's a, I think if he was around today and he had a different skin color, he'd be a rapper, man. He was, he's so cool. It's like poetry. The guy just preached, I mean, it's very similar to myself. He just preached like poetry. He opened his mouth and out came this like, flow of incredible oration. Amazing. So anyway, you can listen to all them. And then free MP3 download Bible. Awesome. King James Version. Hmm. And then listen to this. Look at this one. This, this one's a freebie. Listen to this. Entire courses on MP3 downloadable at Covenant Theological Seminary. You can get $20,000 a year courses free. You get, I'm, I'm the only one excited in this whole auditorium tonight. <laughs> this is good news. Jesus died for you so you can be forgiven and you can get free MP3s. It's all good news. <clears throat> Covenant Theological Seminary has made 20 uh, courses available for free. And you can study ancient medieval church history. Some of you thinking, ooh, wow. <laughs> you, can, you can study apologetics. What? You can study the life and teaching of Jesus. You can study Old Testament theology. I mean, tell you, why not challenge yourself to listen to stuff you've never listened to before? Seriously. I'm not, not so that you can become a geek with a big head, that you're totally relevant to tons of people, but so that you can actually provoke yourself to grow because you're humble. You're, te- you're, you're a learner. You want to become better. You want to become stronger. So download, listen, grow, learn. Be like a sponge. Thomas Edison said... If I see further than others, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Thomas Edison, that famous inventor, and he's the guy who invented the light bulb, it just like, bing. Oh, he had this, this incredible design. He came up with a light bulb. This, this guy, he learned from the people who'd gone before him. He learned from the principles of inventors and scientists and researchers. That's what made him great. History repeats itself because nobody listens to it. We can listen from the wisdom of others, not repeat their mistakes. Another way you can be mentored, maybe you want to go to Bible college. Maybe some of you want to consider Destiny College. I think in your seats tonight, you've got an invitation to Saturday school. Why not invest in you? Investing in you will make you more effective. Some of you might want to think, you know what, I'm going to take a, a year out to go to Destiny College or a similar course where I can grow in my faith, get real good input, grow, be challenged, be provoked. You also want to be mentored through good friends. Through good friends. Sometimes mentors aren't the people who are miles ahead of you. Sometimes mentors are just your friends who are just great people. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You should be mentoring each other. You should be working with each other, provoking each other to to go for it in life, to take those good steps, to deal with the crazy stuff, to think bigger. To go for those dreams. Come on, you can do it. To be those people who are encouraging and mentoring each other on this great journey. You can be mentored through your parents. And this is, a, this, is a, this is genius from God. God put a mentoring system in place for every human being ever. Now some of you, well most of you are, are beyond the place where you're, not, you're no longer living in your family home. But if you're a teenager living at home with your parents, listen, learn from their wisdom. They have got a lot of wisdom. And finally, husbands, you can learn from your wives. And wives, you can learn from your husbands. 
And sometimes this is the toughest. Sometimes at home, you don't want to be told. But actually sometimes, personally, I find some of the greatest wisdom has come from my wife. And she has found some of the, I mean, the, the most incredible wisdom has come from her husband's. But I learned so much from my wife. God is, do you know what? Me and my wife are not compatible. Guilty. We are so incompatible. People say, oh, you've got to be compatible to get married. Well, we're stooky then. Me and Angie are not compatible. We are so totally and utterly, I mean, poles apart in the way we think completely. And do you know what? God put her in my life because he didn't want to leave me the numpty I was. I really needed someone who was so different from me but was so wise to balance me off. See, she thinks different to me in almost every area in life. But if you look in the Bible, you'll see both her opinions there. She just sees things differently. But it's, it's still divine wisdom, and I can learn from that. And at first, it caused friction. At first, when we first got married, for the first couple of years, it caused a lot of friction. Now, I still smiled on Sundays. But it still caused a lot of friction. But once I learned how to work that dynamic, and actually learned, actually, ah, God, this might be your wisdom for me, I started listening, and lo and behold, it was wisdom. And this church would not be the church it is had I not been married to Angie. I honor her, I love her to bits. She's the best wife God could have blessed me with. I so love her. And you know what? The wisdom of God comes from my wife. So husbands and wives, you really need to listen to each other. You need to stop disrespecting each other. You need to stop telling each other to shut up. You need to stop turning the television volume up when the other one's talking. Be humble. Be wise enough to listen. Be wise enough to learn. Let me end with this verse, Proverbs 29, verse 1. And this is verse as a warning. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken down without remedy. God loves you that much. He will send people your way. He will show you himself in the Bible. He will give you warnings in your conscience. He will send friends your way. He will give you people around you. The advice will be coming. And do you know what? Unless you're careful, you might ignore all the warnings. You might ignore all the advice. And then the point will come where, boom, you're broken down without remedy. So never go there. Be a teachable person. And as we learn, we will grow. We will become wiser. And God will bless us. Thanks so much for listening, folks. You know, we're gonna, in a moment, we're going to pray. I want to give you some advice. The best thing and the biggest thing I ever did was I gave my life totally to Jesus Christ. He's the one who died for us on the cross. He shed his blood because I'm a sinner and you're a sinner and we needed forgiveness. And his death on the cross ensures us that we can be totally forgiven. He rose in again on the third day and he's alive right now. He wants to be part of your life. The biggest wisdom you could get, the biggest advice you could take is this. Come to him. Make him the savior of your life. I'm not talking about becoming religious. Please don't. I'm not talking primarily about joining this church. You're welcome to join this church, but there are many other great churches in this city. What I'm trying to sell you is this. Jesus Christ, come to him. Place your life in his hands. Choose to follow him from this day till the day you die and meet him face to face. It's the best thing you could ever do. So come on, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the book of Proverbs. God, it's so full of truth, hard-hitting truth, but nevertheless truth. And we want to expose our lives to 
the reality of being mentored. We don't want to be those who are just deluding ourselves, who are going off on silly little tangents, who are just isolated and independent. God, we want to be those who are truly wise, who are truly humble, who are truly teachable, who are disciples, who are learners, who are lifelong learners. Help us to be those people. God, thank you so much for my friends here this evening. We've gathered in your presence. We've gathered to worship you. God, I pray that we will be wise. I pray that we will be wise. Okay, just while everyone's praying, while everyone's eyes are closed, heads are bowed, I want to give you this opportunity. Why not come to him this evening? Why not come to him this evening? He is here. Place your life in his hands. Put your trust in Jesus. Commit yourself to him tonight. Why waste another day outside of this great relationship that God longs for you to be in? The Bible promises you if you come to him and ask his forgiveness, he will forgive you. He will wipe your slate clean. The Bible promises if you put your faith in him, he will give you an amazing gift called eternal life. You will never die. Even though physically you die, you will live on forever, not in hell, but in heaven because he's forgiven you for all your sins. And most importantly, above all the other benefits, when you come to him, he becomes your father. And you're now in relationship with the eternal God. So come to him this evening. And this is what I'm going to do. If you want to come to him, I'm going to simply pray a prayer of response, a prayer of dedication. And I ask you, I invite you just now, why not join with me in this prayer? Why not repeat this prayer after me? Make it your prayer. Make it your commitment to this great God. Commit yourself to him. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. Line after line, you repeat it after me quietly, just under your breath, silently, just between you and God. So if that's you, you want to make this commitment, then pray with me just now. Pray, dear Lord God, you are great, you are wonderful. Thank you that in your love, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you came, you lived an amazing life. You taught great things and you healed so many people. Well, this evening, Lord Jesus, I believe you also died for me in that cross. I believe you hung there and died. and You paid the price for my sin. And I acknowledge I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me. Please give me a new start tonight. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. I believe you're alive right now. I now commit my life to you. I pledge my allegiance to you. I make you the Lord of my life from this day forward until one day I stand before you face to face. Thanks, God, for hearing my prayer. Thanks for accepting me this evening as your child. Amen. Keep your eyes closed. If anyone prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to do a very simple thing. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to get you to stand or call you to the front or draw people's attention to you. But just where you're sitting, while everyone else's eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, if you made that commitment to God, then I would love the privilege of praying for you.
And I'm going to ask you to do a very simple thing. Just, I want to pray for you. In order to know who I'm praying for, just simply raise your hands. If you prayed that prayer, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Put your hand up and I'll pray for you. You prayed that prayer. Anybody else? Just quickly put your hand up. I'll include you in that prayer. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you in the back there. God, thank you so much for these five friends this evening. God, they have made a commitment. They've just done the wisest thing they have ever done in their entire life. They've given their lives to you, God. And God, I thank you as they've done that. You, you promised that they're now forgiven. That as they put their faith in you, you promise that you've now given them eternal life. And God, that's the biggest. That's the best. And I pray, God, they would know the joy of your acceptance. Thank you, God, that you are now their father and they are now your children. I ask you, God, help them from this day forward to walk with you, to live this life for you. Help them to get involved in a good church where every week they can learn and be a disciple and grow in their faith. I commit them into your hands. Thank you, God, for them. Fill them with your power of your spirit. Help them to live for you from now on every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, let's stand to our feet. We're going to worship God. Some folks are going to get baptized now.